Hi, this is Anita Gillette, and you are listening to TV Confidential. Ed Robertson, along with our guest Charles Groton. Charles recently released a new DVD called The Perils of Show Business, Proceed at Your Own Risk. That not only features great stories about Charles's work with the likes of Johnny Carson, Alan Funt, Lee Strasberg, Elaine May, and Roman Polanski, but also offers hands-on, straight-shooting, real-world advice that will be invaluable to anyone who is considering a career in the world of entertainment. All of Charles's earnings from the sales of The Perils of Show Business, Proceed at Your Own Risk, DVD, will be donated to the Lend a Hand Foundation, a nonprofit organization started by Charles Grodin to help people in need who are not covered by any other organization. Our conversation with Charles originally aired in December 2012. Charles Grodin passed away this past Tuesday, May 18th at the age of 86. The Perils of Show Business Proceed at Your Own Risk is still available at Amazon.com. Before we went to break, we had asked Charles to discuss some of his experience working with Lee Strasberg. You've got two great stories about Strasberg. The one that sticks with me, he admitted to you that he was probably a better teacher than he was an actor. Well, he's, when he was in the Godfather movies, when he played Meyer Lansky, he himself said... I wasn't with him at that time, but but he he himself was quoted as saying that he was too camera conscious. So whatever he was teaching, I mean, I remember one of the exercises he had us do was uh, take an imaginary shower. Well, I had been so uh, disliked by Uta Hagen for asking why the imaginary suitcases and why the opening the imaginary windows that I just chose not to ask why take an imaginary shower. And I hoped he would notice that I just didn't take one. The other thing they did in that class is they had everybody, and they still do this, they had everybody go up on the stage and try to fall asleep in a chair. It was considered a relaxation exercise. And to me, that's going to prepare you to fall asleep in a chair. Not a big (laughs) fall for that in show business. So I really didn't get it. and I I absolutely did not intend to be a wise guy. I, I honestly didn't know what the point of it all was there was another exercise that made a little more sense to me you would go up on a stage and you would just make some sound from your just make some sound that would represent whatever you were feeling yeah i mean i kind of could could understand that it was like to get in touch with your own feelings i could see that so i go up there by, by myself on the stage and i start my sound whatever it was and at the same time he began to speak again and I stopped abruptly, and everyone laughed because it was kind of embarrassing. And and in the back row of the class, there was one girl who wasn't laughing, and that was like a 20-year-old Jane Fonda. <laughs> and she then went on to do some very strange things. Yeah. I mean, the uh, first thing she did was she, she, I don't know if she got married or she moved in with an openly gay director, and, you know, to each his own, but right. if you're a heterosexual girl, I'm not sure why you're living with a a gay director or vice versa. Right. I, I don't. I didn't really understand that. And if and if she felt against the Vietnam War, which a lot of us did, mm-hmm. you can make your feelings known without posing <laughs> with with the with the North Vietnamese. Right. Well, <laughs> there's she, a, there's other ways you could do this. Well, you know? she, she always she she has always had the courage of her convictions. But you want there are ways to do it, yes. you know. Yeah. That it's, it's not going to anger a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, that's why I, 
as an advocate, I, I always want to make clear that I think we let people out. To, I mean, I think it was, uh, oh, uh, I might have said this to you off the air, that, you know, it was, uh, within the last month they let somebody out of prison. Uh, he was uh, convicted of attempted murder. Mm-hmm. And two weeks after he's out, he kills a police officer. Yeah. Well, he shouldn't have been out. Right, exactly. And even some of these killings that you read about in the paper every day and the, the mass shooting at the at the theater, there's so many warning signs, uh, people that knew these people, that there's something wrong with these people, not to mention the lack of background checks on guns. It's like, you know, the gun lobby thinks that everybody should have a gun in, in, in churches, in bars. I mean... It seems like madness to me, you know, and I, I do commentary for CBS Network News, and one of the things I, I've said more than once is, you know, uh, they better watch it because the life they save may be their own yeah. one day. You're listening to a conversation with Charles Grodin that originally aired in December 2012 on TV Confidential. Charles Grodin passed away this past Tuesday, May 18th, at the age of 86. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. You mentioned uh, that you do daily commentaries for CBS radio um yeah, yeah writer to writer what is harder writing a 90 page play which you've done yeah or writing a 90 second commentary or do or do they each pose their own challenges well the commentaries are much easier uh because my wife says i'm i'm, I'm a walking commentary I mean, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll just go to the local store and come back with three ideas for commentaries yeah and my what i do is is i i i I try to keep them short. I can do it a minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, you know, it's, it's like it goes across the country. There's two million people uh, every day, seven days a week, that they're, I'm told that that hear this. And, and I just, I'll, I'll do it short. It could be something as simple as that I was in a car and I saw a bumper sticker on the car in front of me and it said, uh, caution, blonde, thinking. And, and I thought that was <laughs> sexist and yeah. it offended me. And, it, and so as I wrote this commentary, it might have run about 40 seconds. And I said, uh, when I was uh, growing up, my mother used to say about me, everything bothers this kid. I, and I said, well, that's what makes a future commentator, because <laughs> things bother you, you know. Now, I'm not, I'm not as bothered. I, I was friends with, uh, with Andy Rooney. Mm-hmm. And, and what you saw on television with Andy Rooney was the soft side of Andy. Yeah. And, Andy would get, would get angry if you'd ask him for his autograph. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my dear, he was really he was really a piece of work. Yeah. I once went out with him and Ralph Martin, who was the um, biographer of uh, Winston Churchill's mother Jenny. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to know because they were two of the first war correspondents to enter the death camps after World War II. And I had known Andy well enough to know don't even say a word about yourself. And I was frankly, I was very interested in what they had to say. I had, I had nothing. I didn't want to say anything about myself. And there was a pause, and Andy suddenly turns, and he looks at me, and totally out of the blue, and he, he says to me, acting is a secondary profession. <laughs> and I just, well, we were sitting in a place by the water. I just stared out at the water for a while, decided just to hold my tongue, but I thought of uh, Montgomery Clift and Marlon Brando, and I thought, you know, people are going to remember those performances a lot longer than they'll remember anyone's commentary, with all due respect to commentary. Mm-hmm. I mean, I myself can't remember from day to day what what, what is it, what I say, but I've done 3,000. I hear you. And, uh, no, I, I like to do that. It's a, it's a great outlet, and particularly when you know there's 2 million people going to hear you. Absolutely. And sometimes, in, in, in particularly in my advocacy work, it, it actually, 
it actually has it actually has helped. Well, I'm thinking of one particular woman. It actually got her out of prison because um, the governor was concerned about bad press. Mm-hmm. So I made it a point of every time he did anything good, this was Governor Patterson, to not only do a commentary on it, but to make sure that a copy of it was sent to him. Yeah, and that and that frankly got her out. But the system is so broken that his chief counsel. Uh, said to me, uh, you know, she's not, I was the advocate for it, and that's why I was talking to him. I said, he said, she's not telling the truth to the governor. I said, what is it you want her to say? I'm dictating the letters to her you know, on the phone while she's in prison. What do you want her to say? And he dictated the exact words he wanted her to say. And what they were uh, were words to the effect of, I, I now see, although it's painful to admit it, that I'm, this is a woman, that mm-hmm. I'm guilty of the crime of rape. Now, he and I both knew, because we both read the record, there was no rape. Right. No, but there was no rape committed by anybody, let alone this woman. But but that's what she needed to say, because that's what she was convicted of. Yeah. I mean, even though if you read the record, it says there was no, the rape kid showed no rape. I mean, talk about a broken system. Here you got a kid serving life with no chance of parole, Ryan Hawley in Florida, who was home asleep in bed, and nobody disputes it. It's not like this is my opinion. Nobody says anything different. So, I mean, things like that upset me because I remember Pledge of Allegiance to the, to the flag, and as the president of the class, it was my assignment in high school to read the Bible every day to the class, and I just have a different concept of what America is supposed to be. And when I hear things like that, I'm very disturbed by it. And it, it goes back to one of the things we talked about earlier. At least you're using your notoriety, and your, your daily commentaries to bring attention to things that people may not know about. Well, you know, and it also what it does, uh, the, 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 you know, because sometimes cause my brother was an attorney and he wanted me to be an attorney as well, and I thought about was that a mistake. But, you know, because of, uh, uh, of being known from the movies or whatever, uh, people take my call because mm-hmm. they're more kind of curious, like... Uh, you know, I wonder what he's calling. <laughs> when they announced the um, reform of the Rockefeller drug laws in 2004, uh, Governor Pataki at the press conference said, and he says, I want to cite the actor, and he did like a double take looking at his own speech that was written in front of him. I want to thank the actor, Charles Grodin, for his efforts, and everybody in the room turned around and said, who? Wasn't that the guy that just was telling a St. Bernard to get off of bed? <laughs> so, so it's good, you know, and, and I'm under the radar, and I don't use, I don't have a press agent, so I don't want anyone to ever think, that I'm doing this, so look at me, look at me. No. That's not the purpose. I mean, this, even today I find myself talking about this, but I'm really... I'm really trying to uh, interest people in getting this perils of show, but you can get it from Amazon.com, and it really should be it really should be bought by high schools and shown to kids before they uh, make a decision. Then, if they want to choose to go into show business, uh, you know, uh, you go and you do it. But at least it gives you a heads up of like what you're what you're entering into. Absolutely, and and plus, even though much much of the things that you talk about, you know, whether it's uh, the audition process, whether it's acting school and what to look for and not look for at an acting teacher, or just right. or some of the business aspects, even though a lot of it is centered around the entertainment industry per se, there are some things you talk about that can apply to any. Field of well, they do, they do, and then, and that what, where it broadens out is is that I know 
so, so many people who present themselves as all-knowing. It doesn't have to be an acting teacher. I had a uh, an ear doctor wanted to operate on me for a brain tumor, except I didn't have a brain tumor. <laughs> I mean, you see it everywhere. Yeah. It's stunning how often you see it. Uh, my, other, my other problem I have with, uh, in general, reporting is sometimes the reporting, if you watch it on the news, it's like two people in the back of a bar having a, two insiders having a beer. You don't even know what they're talking about. Yeah. They're using uh, language and inside terminology that your average person, and I, because of doing commentary for the last, whatever it is, 11, 12 years, uh, and before that, uh, 60 Minutes 2 and Mm -hmm. MSNBC and CNBC, I would assume that I'm probably more than average informed, and half the time, I don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. I just don't know. It's just not explained. They're talking to inside, is what I think. Yeah. I remember in my effort to, to try to teach myself because I felt like I wasn't really getting it uh, mm-hmm. in the classes. I would I would read every book, and, and I, I remember there was a famous uh, Russian actor named Michael Chekhov, and he wrote a book. I think the the book might not have been, but yeah, the book. I don't think the book was called. It might have been called To the Actor, but there was a chapter in there on the psychological gesture, and what I took from that is like if you point at someone, that's a psychological gesture. Well, you know, you don't have to read that in a book. Right. And you don't even have to put a name to it. The other thing they talked about a lot was uh, objectives and actions. Well, I find whenever I've been acting, I don't think about anything like that. You just have to be present in the moment the way we are right now. I'm listening to you. It's only by listening to your question will I know what's going to come out of me. And, And we're influenced by what we hear. But you have to be in a state that's relaxed enough to do that. Right. What, and, and, and the advantage of the eight years of studying was I got into that. I was able, I've been able to do that. Mm-hmm. I actually did a, uh, just because, uh, you know, generally I, I'm, I do this advocacy work and or I, I uh, host charities. And let's just I'll put it like this two days in the last eight years have I actually worked for money. Mm-hmm. Two occasions. One was one day and the other I did a um, law and order, a special victims unit. I, I finished that basically because my, because I felt I owed it to my agent to accept an offer, and yeah. it was only six days in New York City. And my wife kind of looks at me sometimes like, what are you doing? Are you going <laughs> to ever earn a living? <laughs> you know, you, you walk, you talk, you sit, you stand, you know. So I did that, you know, and um, that turned out very well. I, I couldn't help but notice that uh, one day they picked me up at 6 a.m., and I got home at 1.30 a.m. the next day. Wow, yeah, that's a long day. Yeah, that- <laughs> That's a long day. We're talking to Charles Grodin, actor, writer, producer, director, New York Times bestselling author, TV talk show host, and radio commentator. This conversation originally aired in December 2012. Charles Grodin passed away this past Tuesday, May 18th at the age of 86. I have two questions that I would really like to ask you. One has to do with acting in general, and one has to do with Johnny Carson. Okay. Would it be funny if we suddenly turn this into a game show and I have to guess what the question is? (laughs) (laughs) Acting in general. Let's see. (laughs) I'm going to let you ask. (laughs) I am not Karnak the Magnificent. No, you are not not Karnak the Magnificent, although uh, although I'm going to ask you about Johnny in just a second. Okay. One of the, um, uh, to you, if, if I hear you correctly, Charles, 
acting comes down to being able to listen to another actor right and then respond which and which which reminds me of something James Garner said many many years ago which right. which he says I don't learn lines I learn thoughts it's well um I mean, you are required to say the lines. I mean, on this Law and Order, there was somebody right over to you, and I've done a movie written by Neil Simon. I've done two written by him, and one of them, uh, he wasn't there, so it was a lot of improvisation, mm -hmm. but the other he was, and you couldn't leave out a the, so you have to do that. But you have to get into a state the way you are in life when you're just with another person and you're relating back and forth. We'll play some more of our conversation with Charles Grown when we come back after this quick timeout. You're on TV Confidential. Know someone with a drinking or drug problem? Learn how to get sober after we share these stories. I was 35 with two beautiful children when my life and addiction started to spiral out of control. After my divorce, I went into a depression cycle and started drinking more often and using prescription drugs. After my second DWI and arrest, my ex-husband threatened to take our children away from me. I was 17 when I became addicted to heroin and meth. I thought I could quit on my own, but I couldn't. It hit me when I was arrested. Get sober now. Your private insurance may cover costs and we'll get you here. It's simple. Just call Elite Rehab Placement right now. Please, don't wait. Your life matters to us. 800-917-2194 800-917-2194 That's 800-917-2194 One more item if you love Ella Fitzgerald. Our friend Jeffrey Mark celebrates the music of the First Lady of Song every week on Jeffrey Mark Plays Ella. You can hear Jeffrey Mark Plays Ella on Megaphone and wherever else you find podcasts. Ah, hmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay Area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411. Or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.